welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name's Sophie Bertrand, registered nutritionist. And I'm Barry Strickoff, registered dietitian. And this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast is sponsored by Olivado, an amazing company that makes extra virgin avocado oil. Yeah, we absolutely love avocado oil and we know it's a good source of healthy fats, which are essential to our diet because they support overall health, including our heart health. And there is some research to support that it can help reduce cholesterol and help reduce um, the risk of prostate cancer. Yeah, which is super interesting. Currently, my favorite way to use the extra virgin avocado oil from Olivado is in a stir fry with some tofu. It makes it really nice and crispy. Yeah, and I love drizzling it over sweet potato fries, putting it in the oven, seasoning it up, making it nice and crispy. Sounds delish. All right, cool. Let's get into this episode. But before we do, one more announcement. We are so (laughs) excited to be recording this podcast on our new blue microphone, Yeti microphones, which were kindly gifted to us. So we hope that this audio is just superb. Yeah, we have listened to you guys and we're hoping that this audio will be much improved. (laughs) Totally. Okay, cool. So let's get into today's episode, which is all about how the fork do you go from a nutrition student to kind of real world nutrition professional. Yeah, and here with us today is Hannah Cartwright, registered associate nutritionist who has recently graduated herself and she's also part of the Forking Wellness team. She was super helpful getting our platform off the ground and helping us out at the beginning of the year. Oh, cute intro. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're delighted to have you. And a lot of people have requested this episode and I know how, well, we all know how daunting it is going from a nutrition degree to then being thrown into the real world and trying to decide what to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think I probably message you like every day Sophie when I was (laughs) and I feel like I needed a podcast like to listen to when I'm going through oh amazing well hopefully this will be super helpful then so why don't you start by telling us like a bit about yourself what do you do now or where you went to uni did you always know that nutrition was kind of what you wanted to study yeah so I started at Loughborough doing psychology and the whole time that I was doing that I didn't think about nutrition as a career really I've always been so interested in health and wellness and always a massive foodie but I was more excited about the psychology side of things um, which as we know now they're so interconnected so I'm actually so glad that I did do that to begin with anyway Um, But then I kind of left Loughborough and I think like so many other graduates just felt a bit lost and didn't really know where I wanted to go. Um, And I'd been speaking about it for a while with my friends, my family, thinking that maybe nutrition would be a good route to go down. But it was quite spontaneous, to be honest. Um, I just applied and then I thought if I do get a place at Oxford Brooks doing the master's course then I just do it and um yeah I was in I think I was in Bali with my best friend and then I just got an email saying that um I'd been accepted so I was like well I'll do it then (laughs) it's meant to be yeah it's interesting because a lot of people come to nutrition as like a secondary career so 
at least from my perspective, a lot of people that I know in the space started out as something else. Um, so either doing a psychology degree or maybe even co complete separate career path. And then they kind of like found that health and nutrition was their passion and they wanted to capitalize on that. I think that's such a common kind of trajectory. And I think it's really good because you realize what you like and turn that into a career. Yeah. And all of the modules that were related to eating and that side of things that I was doing in my psychology degree were the ones that I was so passionate about. So it did just make sense. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate because obviously I did psychology first as well. And that's exactly how I felt like when we were studying like the hunger hormones and things like that. I just wanted to know more about food. Um, so that is super interesting. I can relate. Um, but what, what did you, did you have like any intention of like seeing clients when you left? Did you know what you wanted to, cause there's so many different directions you can take it, isn't there? Yeah. So when I decided to go down the route of nutrition, I did think, yeah, I want to see clients. Um, because obviously that you can go down the route of public health into the food industry think you can even do animal nutrition can't you yeah if i think you had to, you had to do a different degree for that though oh do you <laughs> yeah if anyone there's, wants to do animal nutrition <laughs> there's so many different paths but um working with clients is what i was most interested in because of that psychological side as well mm. uh, i've always wanted to work with disordered eating and um gut health which we'll probably talk about as well because i have um an inflammatory bowel disease so i know that the impact of good nutrition um what it can actually do and how well it's helped me to manage it yeah that that impacted your decision to go into nutrition because you've had this kind of like life-changing experience and nutrition is always going to be a part of your life because as with someone who has a chronic you know bowel disease or any chronic disease nutrition plays such a big part in it so do you think that having that kind of like tied to nutrition for the rest of your life kind of sparked the trajectory into nutrition or did it happen at a different point sorry i don't know that's a long one the question yeah for sure i, I think I don't think it was the main thing that made me want to do it, but then it is such an important part of my life. And if I, so I've always been very into um, healthy food in quotations, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I've always cooked from scratch, um, things like that. And I think when you meet people who aren't so interested in good nutrition, their symptoms can be very different and it's so different in every case um because there's so many kind of levels of it but me and how i've dealt with it myself definitely kind of inspired me to go down that route and also help other people because you can really improve the symptoms through it yeah can i ask did you have like a different perception of what nutrition was before you did the degree because I think like I think I'm speaking for both me and Barry here when we thought being healthy was quite different to what it actually is oh yeah definitely um yeah I think the trends there's so many different trends um that are just people are always kind of thinking different things and I think when I was probably at uni and at school. Um, yeah, I definitely went through different 
phases with food and going through a really good relationship with food and probably a worse relationship with food I think so many girls um young girls do and young boys as well so that definitely has changed as well um and just learning more about the science of it Mm -hmm. um when you do your masters that's just the main thing that probably changed instead of just on a surface level yeah you think you know quite a lot about it and actually it's so complex literally (laughs) so did you find that the level of science was quite shocking I, I don't think actually people really know that how much science goes into it. And I know it's different depending on what course you did and what you're studying to be. But obviously there is like a massive level of chemistry and biology, biochemistry, microbiology, et cetera, involved in the course. Did you know about it before? Like, did anyone I, warn you? <laughs> no. Oh my God. I wish I had been warned because I remember in every single new lecture they did this horrible thing where you had to sit up uh, stand up and you'd have to do a little introduction and kind of what you had done before and every single person came from such a sciencey background um biochemistry and all of that kind of stuff and i was probably only one who actually did psychology um so i was like great (laughs) (laughs) awful um and to be honest I even struggled with the whole science stuff and the stats at, um, when I was doing my psychology. So I wish I did know it was going to be a bit more like that. But then part of me, probably it was best I didn't know because I think I probably wouldn't have done it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I found it so challenging as well. Should we come up with some tips? Because like you said, quite a few people do kind of career change and they'll go, you know, some people could be like, business background and then they decide to go into nutrition afterwards yeah so should we do like some top tips for people who do not come from such a sciencey background because I would say definitely do like which is what I did actually is like an initial foundation in the like specific scientific areas of nutrition because I found that really helpful yeah I think I had a different experience so it's hard for me to speak on it because I went straight from high school um to university where I studied a dietetics program and I was was always really good at math and science it's like my strong suit um and if I wasn't going to be a doctor because I um am a fainter so I can't (laughs) be around needles or blood and I've actually fainted several times working in the hospital and my lectures in uni like during the diabetes unit I was out for the count multiple times Um, so this is why I'm not a nurse not a doctor but I love science um and I love working with people so I was knew that nutrition was where it's going to go down and because I knew that in high school I took certain AP level courses you can take in yeah. America, you can take college level classes in high school you pay for them and then depending on your grade you can place out of certain classes in college so I took like AP level biology statistics and some other sciences so then I placed out of it and didn't have to take it in college which is great because then amazing we just it's so different in America we just don't have that here yeah so I did two semesters of chemistry I only had to take one semester of biology um then I did a semester of microbiology organic chemistry biochemistry pathophysiology and some other weird sciences but a lot of my classes like were with the medical students and nurses and I don't think people actually understand how much Oh my like, god. Science like, is. 
I know all those things that you just listed are all it like part of the degree if you want to do nutrition I understand why we need it because we have to understand how like certain vitamins and things react in your body and like what happens Mm. to the proteins denatured by the blah blah and like where things can go wrong especially if you're working like Hannah said with someone who has maybe a um, inflammatory bowel disease and looking in the gut and how things aren't absorbed and things. I get why we need it, but I really don't think I needed that level of organic yeah. chemistry and structures. And like, I can't think in three-dimensional space. So I did so bad in my organic chemistry classes. I literally think it was my worst grade in uni because why, but why do I need to know that? I like get why I need to know it, but I actually don't get it because I yeah. haven't used it once. In everyday practice. Yeah. Oh, great. That's, so many things actually I think with the course that I don't know about you both but um with mine it wasn't that practical it was very much um the behind the scenes like you were saying but I wish kind of there was more practical stuff that you did with clients because Mm. when you graduate and if you do want to work with clients you are really just thrown out into the deep end and you're kind of like well do I do now <laughs> literally yeah if you want to work with clients you don't get any of that kind of yeah. not none of that is taught on the degree you have the knowledge and yeah everything you need but actually to go out and do it it's very different mm-hmm. and it's daunting I think this is one of the pitfalls of like the the registered nutritionist training because in dietetics training you have to do like x amount of hours of placement in the hospitals and then your, your first job usually is, you know, working clinical and then you go elsewhere, but they kind of set you up for that. And because it's like a really structured program, it gives you that experience. Then you work with clients, someone signs off on your work and then you, whatever. But I feel like the pitfall, like not, not blaming them, but I just don't feel like the nutritionist route has as much support. So I, I feel like it's, it's not fair in a way. Like it, it, there should be more support in the education system to prepare you guys for what you want to do because you have all this education, but then they kind of just yeah. leave you hanging. I yeah, think so many people go into nutrition degrees and they actually don't really want to work with clients. So I think I was probably one of maybe three that actually wanted to work with clients so that in itself was quite challenging because I didn't really know it's not like I had loads of people on the course that were doing the same thing as me so I didn't really know who to talk to about it other than like people like you um but because loads of people wanted to go into the food and health industry so working in food companies so I think it is such a broad area that they do need more support yeah definitely and I think obviously when I came out of uni I just like not harassed but like (laughs) messaged Rhiannon quite a lot because I was just desperate to have a mentor who was working with clients successfully because that's really the only way you can learn you have to shadow other nutritionists who have learned to do it and it's not like this in America I don't think but in the UK when you're registered with the AFN for the first three years you have to have we should have a mentor if you're working with clients, someone that you can check in with and make sure that, you know, you're delivering those consultations in the best way possible. And even that was really confusing because I was just researching this all myself. And then I kind of found a mentor. Um, well, I didn't even really know if she would have been good anyway, but um, 
<laughs> I, <laughs> I won't name her like I'm sure she was but as in I didn't know anything really about her but I was so like oh my god I need to get a mentor so I found her and emailed her um and then it's like I probably didn't even need a mentor then you need a mentor after but no one really told me that and it would have been such a waste of time and money to have a mentor when I was still studying Mm. but just small things that no one really tells you yeah totally yeah and I think the issue is that like there's so many routes that you can go down and then everyone who goes down either like a research path or working with clients or you know working for a company consulting food whatever each different path needs different resources so it's kind of confusing because the area of nutrition is so broad, like you can literally do anything, but at the same time, you feel like you can't do anything because there's almost like that lack of guidance. Yeah. And it's awful when you're trying to get work experience and you kind of need experience to get the experience. <laughs> that is my biggest pitfall. It's like entry level job, minimum working requirements, two years. Yeah, I know. That that was the thing when I used to look on all these job websites, it would literally be like must have two years work experience. I'm like, how? I know it's crazy. But I shadowed so I shadowed Sophie. Um and then so many people I shadow like just kind of on and off even now, just because I still think that I need more experience sometimes. Yeah, totally. You can never have too much experience. I was just gonna say the same. Yeah. Less exposure, yeah. especially because everyone has a different style of talking to people mm. and you can just always pick up on something and learn something new from everyone that you speak to. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, should we run through some of the questions that people are dying to know? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've already talked about having a mentor. Um, okay, what's the difference between a dietitian, nutritional therapist and a nutrition I can't decide which course to do yeah so I found this really confusing as well Mm. um so I Barry you're probably better at describing a dietitian but from my understanding that's more medical um and working with illnesses and conditions like that in a hospital whereas a nutritionist is more I'm not even really sure how you'd describe it in comparison because you're still working with conditions, but it's not so medical. Yeah, it's more at a public health level. So, I mean, I've worked on lots of different campaigns behind the scenes in regards to getting out, how best to get out a public health message to the UK, whereas Barry would be working in a hospital specifically with clients who have, you know, all sorts of different conditions. Um, and when I work with clients, it's really just to improve their health. It's not kind of, I'm not working with anyone who has, you know, who needs like a low FODMAP diet. I, yeah, that's not my area of expertise. Yeah, it's not really, really specific, like what Barry would be doing, but improving general public health. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my training was definitely very like disease specific. So we'd go through the mm-hmm. trainings of like the heart. Um, so it'd be like cardiovascular, then we move on to like pulmonary um, and then things like the renal system. So if you had like chronic kidney disease, stage one, two, three, four, and then oncology and then yada, 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 it goes on. Um, but it is very disease specific when it comes to how to identify it. If someone was in the hospital and I could look at a lab sheet and I could say, Ooh, their BUN and creatinine is off. Maybe something's going on with their kidney and also their C-reactive protein is elevated. So maybe there's an infection. So it's, it is things like that and kind of adjusting their plan to suit whatever condition they have. So it might be someone who has kidney uh, chronic kidney disease can't have as much potassium or protein. So how do I help them adjust their diet to meet their nutrition specific goals? Um, but that didn't really excite me that much. Like, I love it. Like when I talk about it now, I actually miss it so much. Like, yeah, it's so weird hearing you talk about it like that, because obviously I work with clients to help them develop a healthy relationship with food. And that's like, so on another level to what you just said. Yeah. So it is really interesting because I like love being part of that, like, um, that care team. So working with the doctors, working with the speech therapists, working with, you know, the nurses and really being part of that, like collaborative effort. But I didn't find much value in it for myself in the sense that I would like go to the hospital, I'd pick up my sheet, um, for my rounds for the day, do my rounds, whatever floor I was on, telemetry, cardiovascular, ICU, whatever it was. I'd see the client, I'd assess them, I'd give them the education, and then they'd leave and I'd never see them again. And I just had no personal satisfaction because I didn't know if I was helping them. And like, I didn't know, I didn't see them again, or I did see them again. Say it again. You don't get much feedback. Whereas I feel like we, you build up a relationship. Definitely. Exactly. And that's kind of why I left clinicals because I just didn't find it as it just wasn't as rewarding for myself. Like I like that fast pace. I like the challenge. I like the medicine, but it wasn't rewarding on like a personal level. Cause I just had, sorry, there's a fly in front of me. I just had no <laughs> clue like what happened to them. And then if they did come back, it was because they didn't take my advice on lowering their sugar levels. And then they came in to get their other foot amputated or something like that. Like I've had these mm. horrible stories where like I tried to put in so much effort, but you only get what 35 minutes if I'm lucky, 20, 30 minutes with someone. Yeah. And I guess when I work, when I work with clients, they choose to come to me, whereas you're being given these clients who don't necessarily want or feel like they need your support. A hundred percent. You couldn't have said it better. So that's why I kind of moved out of the clinical space. And inadvertently, I guess I moved into private practice, which gave me more of an element of like what a nutritionist does kind of, Yeah, but still seeing clients who had more disease specific yeah illnesses and then I completely took a career pivot but that's why we don't talk about it now um so what would you say um is a nutritional therapist because obviously that's not something that exists in America and I really didn't I still don't understand it I'm completely yeah I think they are more functional and alternative medicine yeah I so they don't have a scientific degree some do but it's not like an essential. You can just do a diploma and call yourself a nutritional therapist. Yeah, I think this is what's really important is that if you are going to go into nutrition, you do need to make sure it's association for nutrition. Um, Yeah, I think a science background is really, really key. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, and for you, Barry, with dietetics, is there a specific board? Yeah, so in order to quote, well, it's different in America and in the UK. So in America, you just have like the, um, I just blanked on it. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so you have to be registered with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics or certified by them. Um, so you have to take like a national exam to pass. And once you're passed, then you can mm-hmm. call yourself a registered dietitian, where here in the UK, you have to be accepted by the HCPC, which is like, yeah. a, um, I don't even know what it stands for, but um, basically. <laughs> Healthcare <laughs> practitioners, something. Something, something, <laughs> um, which is bad. I should know it. But um, they're kind of what governs the quality of your education and the, um, just the standard of your knowledge. And then from there, you can go on to apply to the BDI, so the British Dietetic Association, but you can't get accepted to the BDI unless you're registered with the with HCC. The H- yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the governing body that checks your, you know, your um, continuing hours of education, et cetera. Yeah, I also have a blog on my website stating the difference between the three titles if anyone isn't clued up enough after our answer. <laughs> um, okay, this is a good one. Do you have any daily tips to keep your mental health in check because stress and anxiety at uni are real? That's such a good question. Um, I think when I was doing my undergraduate, probably wasn't so stressed, but the masters I felt stressed honestly every day I actually think back and it's so crazy the hours that I was working um I know that we spoke about it as well Sophie the other day Mm -hmm. it was I'd literally wake up at six and just work until like half nine at night (laughs) just when revised it was crazy and it's not even like you get to the end of the day and you're like oh yeah I really feel like I nailed that. There's just so much more. (laughs) There's always more, isn't there? Yeah, it was just constant. Whereas at doing my undergraduate, it was not like that at all. Um, But I think things that help me, even when you're really stressed and you don't really want to exercise, for me personally, even just doing going on a run or a walk or yoga or just something to move my body that definitely definitely helps um even if it's kind of like not really what you think you need after you do feel better the majority Mm -hmm. of the time um I like journaling to be honest I feel like that really helps me kind of work out what's actually going on in my head if I'm stressed about something um trying to take some time for yourself talking to other people I think that's definitely um, a huge thing. You just be open about it. When I'm feeling anxious or down about stuff, sometimes I just keep it to myself. And actually, that's probably the worst thing that you can do. But I feel like I'm definitely getting better at it. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I can relate. When I was doing my master's, I was also working part time because I was renting in London. So I was trying to pay my rent. Um and it was genuinely one of the toughest years of my life. I just did not have a clue how difficult it was going to be. Um, and I think if you are going to do a master's in anything, you have to accept that you're going to have to be stressed <laughs> because there's just no way around it. It's so stressful. And even though you enjoy it and 
I loved everything that I was learning. I felt so passionate about it and I was keen to learn, but still it doesn't really make it any easier. Yeah, and also nice. really hard because I feel like when you do your masters, you may, um, I was still living at home. So I was traveling and then all of my friends were either working either in London or they were, um, they had done a placement year and then they had gone back to uni. So I felt, to be honest, a bit alone because I was just working constantly and then there wasn't really much enjoyment either. <laughs> it was yeah. just a really weird year, to be honest. But I'm obviously so glad I did it. But yeah, it's totally back, worth it. Yeah. I do think it's, because when you're an undergrad, you kind of like live in a house with your friends and you have a lot more of a social life. And then when you go to do a master's, you're kind of alone. No one really lives in like student housing, like in halls, like you did in uni. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's like an element that social life and just having friends around and people to engage with and having ways to like de-stress are so important because everyone seems to be a lot more stressed in master's life because there's a bit more isolation than maybe in that uni life when you're surrounded by friends and you're constantly having things to look forward to and ways to kind of blow off steam yeah definitely yeah just being around your friends I guess yeah, yeah. I found it really interesting moving abroad and like for the first like month and a half not like having any friends before I forced Sophie to be my friend and uh, <laughs> Because all I had was Mark, I didn't like have family yeah. or anything like that. So it was definitely an adjusting period. I weirdly find school stress um, a lot easier to cope with than like life stress, if that makes sense. Because I know that like you, it, it's going to be all over once you take the exam. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like you can justify it and like push yourself through it because you know there's an end date. Exactly. I like yeah. thrive off of that kind of stress and like that like last yeah I love being able to see a deadline exactly it's yeah. like weirdly motivating <laughs> yeah so maybe like I think journaling is a great one I've definitely yeah. journaled when I feel really stressed out maybe just like getting a calendar being super organized with deadlines there's nothing worse than like finding out the night before that you have a paper due the next morning so oh my god stop do you know what I used to do is I used to set myself a personal deadline of like at least five days before the actual deadline yeah I know that's, that's so weird but I never did that but <laughs> look at me like crazy <laughs> no I feel like I was a, a bit like that Sophie and I think having a structure is actually everything otherwise you just feel totally overwhelmed you need definitely and any kind of organization just to make you feel less out of control yeah you need to like be able to organize your thoughts there was yeah. nothing more satisfying to me than getting organized for school. Like doing my school supply oh shopping yeah. was the best school. thing in the world. Like we have this store in America called Staples. It's literally just a stationary store. It's like W. Smith or like Paper Chase. Yeah, I think we have Staples. <laughs> oh. Um, well, Staples it's not some magic like American shop. <laughs> do you really have it here? I'm pretty sure we do. Um, yeah. Wow. I gotta go. I gotta go find one. <laughs> 
But anyways, I would like, it's my favorite thing to like get a list of everything I need and start with like new pens and new notebooks and like color code everything. I was such a nerd, but like, to be honest, it helps so much. And I like to get color coded. So we all have our weird, our weird organization skills, but like also like a calendar, just you can put something on your wall and just map things out. You just like see how different deadlines like coincide with each other and you can be better at forecasting your time management. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find mind maps really good as well. I feel mm-hmm. like I've got loads of different techniques, but mind maps were a saver. <laughs> yeah, they're fab. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. What is the next question? Is... Um, yeah, you go. I'm trying to get, uh, what did you enjoy the most about your course and what did you find the most challenging? Yeah, I guess that's kind of similar to what we were talking about um that the stats and the science part of it were definitely the most challenging basically the whole thing (laughs) the stats and the science um yeah did you do practical like the practical science where you were burning stuff like the assessments like the practical assessments yeah literally honestly drove me insane where you had like your lab coat on your little goggles I hate Um, group work yeah (laughs) so do I actually it's so stressful (laughs) yeah Um, the the most favorite would probably be I just feel like when you're in that situation you know where you kind of want to go after so you're working towards that so it's satisfying um and I guess rewarding but yeah I love the content yeah that's that's encouraging for people who want to go into nutrition what was your self like your like pit and peak of um studying I found the obviously the eating disorder stuff that we did really interesting and I think all my highest marked modules were the eating disorder modules (laughs) so that says something um but I also love doing the pregnancy nutrition um, yeah and the, the bone health in pregnancy nutrition as well I don't know why that just really Super fascinates specific. me yeah really specific but I remember drawing out the diagrams of like the osteo class and like the process of bone mineralization yeah. and I don't know why it just like I love it it just stuck with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so interesting um what was your your pit oh the biochemistry stuff I used to look at the board sometimes and it would just be random diagrams with like different shapes and numbers on. And I'd be like, what am I looking at? Like, Literally. how do I make sense of this? People actually know what's going on. That's what baffles me. That like, was horrible. When like I was looking at this board and everyone else was like looking really chill at the board. And I was like, how do other yeah. people understand what's on um, the board? <laughs> um, are we speaking a different language right now? Yeah. <laughs> Barry, what about you? um well first when I first came here like my absolute pit I mean my absolute pit was how everyone was saying vitamins it just really really got to me like because it's just vitamins but that was just like a thing in my lectures like everyone was so proper um ironically in undergrad uni my my highest grades were actually in biochem and then my lowest grades were in organic chemistry, again, because I couldn't, like, think in three-dimensional space. Um, 
but in the masters I definitely liked the placements we did and like the work experience we got I just found that so interesting because I didn't necessarily really come from too much of a psychology background I did have like a minor in psychology but like it was like only a few credits um but then I got to sit in and shadow um a few different therapists psychotherapists and counselors Mm -hmm. and I always forgot one that really stuck out to me was one that I did with a I forgot what she was I think she was a psychotherapist but it was a couple session Um, oh yeah I remember you telling me about that and it was a young girl she was only like 22 but she was married and it was her and her husband and she had bulimia and I got to sit in on kind of that couple's therapy for them and it was just so interesting because that wasn't anything I was really ever exposed to so I Mm. found that just like absolutely fascinating um but I think at the at the core of it like I am a true science nerd like I do understand all that weird biochem stuff yeah Yeah, exactly like anything with the counsellor side of things um when we had those lectures and the motivational interviewing and all of those practical things were my favorite yeah I also absolutely loved my dissertation and it was the same for my undergraduate I just thought it was the best part of doing a degree and I never understood why no one liked it because I'm like you get to choose like your area of research that's why we're here (laughs) yeah this is the thing though with my undergrad I loved my dissertation as well because I actually did it on orthorexia and this mm. is way before um, kind of anyone really was talking about it. And even now it's not um, like in the DSM or anything. Yeah, but, there's not loads of research out there, is there? Yeah, so I absolutely loved that and it was all about orthorexia and Instagram um, and exercise. And then for my actual nutrition dissertation, it I didn't even get to choose it. So, oh, that's so upsetting. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, so that was a struggle. <laughs> so what was it on? It was on um, older adults and whether they had better or worse nutrition in a care home or free living. Got it. That is quite interesting. It was interesting, but... Um, Just not what we, you chose. I chose yeah. Yeah. What was your self? It was qualitative, wasn't it? Yeah, I love again. I loved qualitative research, and everyone would always do quantitative. Um, because I think but yeah, qualitative is just so much more time consuming. I know, but I didn't mind it because I loved it so much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't you Don't you remember how ahead of everyone I was with my dissertation? Yeah, because you gave yourself those like five extra weeks. <laughs> I know. I, I think like, it was due in the end of before. August. Yeah, it was due in end of August. Do you remember? And I had mine done by end of July. And I was like, so when should we hand it in? And you were like, when I've finished. <laughs> like, that made this like whole plan to go hand it in together is actually quite cute and things. Yeah. But yeah, I I I love a deadline and I always get it done. And I do work ahead, but I also like slightly thrive on that like last minute adrenaline. No, I can't deal with that. <laughs> like, I like a last minute deadline. It kind of like motivates me. No, I feel sick with the last, if I'm, oh, I'm sorry. We're just like going off track, but one of my best friends and my undergraduate, she used to literally hand in her essay like 20 minutes before the deadline at midnight. And she once like her Wi-Fi was down in her flat in London and she fucking ran to the library in, at uni to hand it in. I was like, how, like, how are you dealing with this? That's something yeah, I could totally relate to. All nighters and stuff, just get it out. In I've never once in my life pulled an all nighter to write an essay. No, no way. 
I don't care how much I've got to do I'm not doing that yeah I need my sleep <laughs> yeah literally nine hours please yeah <laughs> I'd rather get up at four in the morning like having gone to bed at seven than do an all-nighter yeah, yeah I used to do that I used to get up super early but I've definitely pulled my fair share of all-nighters in the library um so what was your dissertation on Oh, um, I was comparing research from Dr. Paul Robinson, who was my um, mentor and supervisor. And I was looking at patients who have suffered with anorexia for less than 10 years, whereas he was looking at patients who had suffered for more than 20 years. So we compared our research. Yeah, it was really interesting. Basically, the outcome, which is what we expected, is that the sooner you intervene, the better the outcome. Yeah. My dissertation was a systematic review. Yours was so interesting. Yeah, so it was the implications of the gut microbiota on treatment of anorexia. So in theory, when someone is anorexic, they don't eat. So there's that whole theory, if you don't use it, you lose it in terms of like Mm -hmm. your gut. So it can start to break down and your microbiota start to change and the environment starts to shift. And um, what we see is actually people who are anorexic have similar dysbiotic tendencies so meaning that their gut bacteria changes in a negative way and that's consistent from people who have anorexia to other people of anorexia compared to people who don't um so my whole theory is just just showing this and showing the benefits of you know um a healthy gut and mood and mental health and then putting that together and kind of proposing well patients who are inpatient or even outpatient treatment for anorexia there should be some level of intervention for gut health Mm -hmm. so even whether it's I don't know is it probiotic or prebiotic or what they call symbiotic supplementation is that part of the protocol or there's no specific diet for people who are recovering it's just like eat a ton of calories to help you Mm -hmm. gain weight but should there be an element to it that's actually goes deeper into the type of foods to help support um a healing gut was kind of my argument um, yeah yeah I yeah. love that I was doing some reading on stuff um similar to that the other day actually yeah, yeah so it is interesting. really interesting there's still nothing's done with it yet but I, I think there is some research being done with it now to be honest but um I'd be interested to see if that kind of changes into either like the guidelines like the nice guidelines or just like any treatment protocols and yeah it definitely be. yeah 100% off topic once again yeah um, always <laughs> how did you find having a relationship while you were studying for your nutrition masters I'm really struggling to find a balance with studying work friends socializing family and relaxing oh geez it was so tough for me having a relationship when doing my master's and I actually broke up with my boyfriend when I was in my second year of uni, my undergraduate, because I was like, I'm not having a boyfriend in my final year of uni. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'd actually met Ash um, in the end of May. And then I went to do, and I spent the whole summer in America, came back um, and went straight into my master's. So things with Ash were like very fresh. And it was so difficult. I had just moved in with one of my best friends. Ash was living up north. Um, he would come up every weekend. So I'd spend every weekend with him secretly like stressing about all the work I had to do. I'd get (laughs) up at six every morning in the week. I would never see my flatmate Emma because she would be out till like four in the morning. I'd get up at six. She wouldn't get out of bed till like noon by what time like I was either working or at uni. 
I'd speak to Ash on the phone at eight o'clock every night and Emma would get home from work at nine and then I'd be on the phone to Ash till 10 o'clock in the evening. So I literally never spoke to Emma, my flatmate at the time. Or Emma. <laughs> literally. And we like, we would argue about it and Ash would be like, you know, I don't see you, you live with her. I'm like, but I actually don't see or talk to her. <laughs> it was really tough. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. I think doing long distance would be awful. Yeah. Um, because sometimes I would drive to uni and think this is actually taking up my time. <laughs> so to drive up north, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> well, he actually made it down to me. I don't think I once went up to him. <laughs> he would always come down. <laughs> yeah, I guess that helps. But I found it uh, fine, to be honest. I think I think it depends what your relationship is obviously like. If you've yeah. got someone who's... Um, supportive then they're going to understand and kind of want the best for you Definitely. I actually my well he's not my boyfriend anymore but we broke up in after um my master's so like September time so actually yeah maybe it worked better when I was at uni <laughs> <laughs> I think like any partner has to be prepared that like your time a lot of your time is going to be taken up when you're studying yeah, and also if they've got their own stuff going on, then they're probably going to be busy themselves. So, mm. yeah, um, think yeah, balancing your friends as well, like going out. Um, I think you've just got to kind of set boundaries and think ahead. So just make sure you get stuff done, and then you can have fun. <laughs> yeah, I literally spent like the whole summer before starting the masters, like living it up and partying in LA like drinking two nights a week which is a lot (laughs) and I came back and I "Mm, it is for me because I'm not a big drinker anymore anyway but like when I did my master's I think I could probably count on my hand like how many times I was drunk that year oh my god (laughs) Barry literally peer pressured me into doing a tequila shot after my lecture one day (laughs) that's my like that's my party trick. I just can like coerce people and take shots of tequila. I was like, oh, I don't really do shots. And she's like, two tequilas, please. I'm like, oh. Make them doubles. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, think- I think you need to have your time with your friends and your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever. Um, because otherwise you're just going to be so unhappy. And yeah. just really. Yeah, I also think it depends on your personality. Like, I definitely, like, take in energy from other people and, like, feed off, like, being in social situations. Like, I love spending time at home alone, and I need that to recharge, but I actually thrive off being social. So, for me, like, I was actually in a relationship for my past, my last two years of uni, my whole, my dietetic internship, and my master's. And I found it fine. I, I would have been a lot more lonely if I wasn't in a relationship. Yeah, I but, was thinking. But then again, like, I still had, like, my nights out with my friends. Like, Mark was in the UK. I was in America. Like, we didn't see each other for three months. Mm. I went out every single night. Um, like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Here's me, like, two nights a week. <laughs> four, four nights a week. Uh, yeah. Um, but then again, it's just, like, the it depends on the communication skills that you have. And it 
you know, it's so different in every relationship. I actually found it really helpful to have a relationship because I think it like grounded me a bit and like maybe I didn't go out as much as I would have. Mm. Um, so it kind of helped me in that sense. Um, and then when I moved here, obviously it was just good to have, um, well, it was obviously nice to like finally live together, but it was also just like good to have like that support. And I think at the end of the day, Mark's a teacher. So he kind of really values the education system. So if I was saying, oh, I got to study it like it didn't seem like I was just like oh, I don't want to hang out with you. It was like I actually have to do something. He was he kind like, of yes, understood. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, you yeah, proud. Yeah, if someone's got an issue with you working, then I feel like that's probably a deeper problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big red flag. Yeah. Find a supportive boyfriend, basically. Totally. Yeah. But like, even I guess it's hard, like carving out time for friends and family when you do have so much work but then again I think it just comes down to like staying on top of your work being organized and just like making plans in advance so you know like oh in two weeks I have this plan so yeah. I have to get my work having, done before it having something to look forward to as well is definitely motivating totally yeah. okay do you think it's useful to have an Instagram account if you want to go into the nutrition industry? Sometimes I have a negative relationship with social media, but a lot of my peers at uni have made accounts. Yeah, I love that question because I actually didn't make my Instagram until after uni as well. And I was kind of going back and forth with the idea. Um, but I remember speaking to you about it, actually, Sophie, and I was like, yeah. should like, do I need it? Because I felt like so many nutritionists do have one. Um, but I wouldn't say it depends what you want to do. Um, obviously, if you want to work with clients, then maybe it will give you more exposure um, and people might know about what you're offering more. But you mm -hmm. can still do that through other social media platforms. It doesn't necessarily have to be Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I know that it is really, I found it really scary because I was thinking, oh, like, will people judge me? Is it a bit weird? <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, if you're just going to live your life and always be taking on other people's opinions, then it's not really your life. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think if you want to do it and you're keen to do it and you think it will be helpful with your career, then go for it but I mean you can build a website and optimize your your website you don't have to be on social media to drive work into your business if you know if it's a business you're trying to start but um it's, it's also you do have a responsibility to an extent if you're going to be on, on Instagram as a nutrition professional you need to remember you're a nutrition professional and you know I don't know there's certain lines like me and Barry I think in the past we've like reread a caption so many times to make sure that like we're coming across in the right way and we're very aware that like someone who's overweight could be following us or someone who's underweight could be following us someone who has a really unhealthy relationship with food like it's really important to have that kind of awareness yeah definitely I definitely didn't start my page like it was just well, I've always had like food Instagram pages. Same. I when I started Sophie's Healthy Kitchen, I had no idea I was going to be a nutritionist. Like totally. genuinely, I, I, me and my oh. housemates were UD foodie at University yeah. of Delaware. We would like go around to all the food establishments and like take pictures. So I always had like a food Instagram, and then when I moved here, it was just like kind of like oh, I'll just start a new one, like traveling dietitian. Yeah. Um, I had no idea that it would kind of like become a secondary part of a career or even. Mm -hmm just like 
open up that platform. To this day, I still feel really conflicted about what that platform is. And I go through like cycles, but I'm at the stage right now where to me, it's just like a food blog and it's not really a nutrition platform. Um, I do nutrition in my day-to-day career, which is separate. So I feel like I give all my nutrition energy to work. And then my Instagram is just like, here's what I made for dinner. Or like, here's what you Mm. can make for dinner. Um, There is elements of nutrition, but you don't have to have like a nutrition education platform. If you love food and you're a foodie, it could just be like, here's what I made for food. Like a food blog. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Obviously the captions, like you have to be serious to the extent you're giving out obviously proper information but it doesn't have to be so serious it can just be a little side thing I mean I've barely got a big following I've got like 700 followers and I just post kind of what I feel like people like it's not um I don't make money from it or anything you don't need to go into it thinking about that yeah but it's like if you had a client and they wanted to see what your online presence was they might find that page really helpful yeah exactly totally and when I was working in private practice a majority of my clients found me through Instagram so if that yeah well a lot of my work comes from Instagram so if that's your intention then I definitely think having a presence online is helpful but obviously Mm. if it is going to affect your mental health in a negative way then I think that's always going to be your top priority and you need to figure out what boundaries you can set or what limits you can set or just what other things can you do but I do think if you are trying to grow a business and you want that to come out of social media then I I mean I I don't think a page could hurt but it just also depends like what you're posting and how it affects you and if you like it so don't make don't think that you have to do it because you don't it could be a great avenue for business acquisition but not at the expense of your mental health and make sure you enjoy it totally (laughs) totally um okay so I don't know if we're going to get through all of these questions we might have to all do like a live together at a later date but um the best ones um okay should I do an internship and work experience while studying if so how and what this is actually like my pet peeve of a question why because I hate it when people message me and they're like how did you get your work experience and I'm like and I know they just want kind of like advice or reassurance but it's it's simply by putting yourself out there and it's like you you give what you get what you give kind of thing if you want to do work experience and you have the time to do it and you think it's going to be valuable which it probably will be you know email a hundred companies you might get one response but that one response could be really valuable I literally think I really agree with that because I did I just emailed everyone yeah um and tried to get any kind of opportunity that I could. I worked in so many different places, even if they weren't directly related to nutrition, but I would just use that year to work out what I did want to do and what I didn't want to do. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie if it was what I didn't want to do, but it still gave me some kind of lesson or experience. And then also your uni probably will do networking events as well which the thought of those actually made me feel kind of sick. <laughs> you kind of have to just put yourself because if you don't, no, you won't get anything out of it. And it's one year that you can just take advantage of those resources. Yeah, definitely. You never, ever know what's going to come from something. And I mean, I've met people whilst doing work experience or actual jobs 
and then meeting people and getting more jobs off the back of that yeah Barry what's your take um I just think I have a very different experience because work experience is kind of built into the curriculum of a dietetics program so it's Mm. it's inherent so you can't progress unless you do the work experience um but more than not everything I know I learned from work experience like yeah it's really important and it's the foundation of everything and you can't go anywhere without having that scientific or just like foundation learning but even just how I interact with clients is all because I've worked with other dietitians or nutrition professionals and I've learned what they do right I've learned what maybe that's not very natural to how I speak so it won't happen for me but everything I know is from work experience so I I just think you absolutely need it and if you agree it's kind of a disservice to your progression because you don't know what you're yeah. capable of until you get that experience with someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get why you wouldn't you wouldn't do one unless you physically. Yeah, I, and if, if you don't have to do it while you're doing uni, if it's too stressful yeah, to you, then you don't absolutely ask. don't. But you know, you do have summer holidays, you do have other breaks in the school year, and those are perfect yeah. opportunities to, you know, maybe you don't want to travel for that summer, and maybe you really want to put in the hours at the hospital. That's what I did. I I just worked at a hospital all summer, getting my hours in um, to get to yeah. So I think you. I always tell myself this, like even when you don't know specifically what direction you want to go in the only good can come from working hard you're rarely in a position where you've worked so hard and absolutely nothing comes good for you so I just always think work work as hard as you can because that's what separates you from other people totally yeah I've taken a huge career pivot in the past month or two where I've completely changed my career path and I work now on the marketing team but I have Mm. a super niche role on the marketing team where um we I work for a health healthy lifestyle program and I do all like I help on the nutrition marketing so having that experience and knowing what the clientele and knowing what the registered nutritionists and dietitians are doing it's having that voice that two-tone voice of I know what the audience wants I know what you know the professionals can give and how do we translate Mm -hmm. into that into the media message that we put out there and it's super niche and I love it um and I still get to use my nutrition expertise in the messaging and you know liaising between the nutrition professionals and the marketing team and I absolutely love it and I would definitely not be in this position if I wasn't a dietitian yeah and it doesn't mean I can't go back yeah it's good to get your foot in the door somewhere as well maybe and also if you kind of wanted experience you could even do um something like customer services at a psychology for example and even though that's not directly related to nutrition, if you want to work with clients, that could be really cool. Yeah, I think always think outside the box and yeah. just even like I said, you can email a hundred companies, you might only get one reply, but at least you've you know, you wouldn't have got that one reply if you hadn't have emailed everyone. Yeah. Exactly. And then the more people you email, the more replies you get. It's just like yeah. the law of averages, like it'll all work out, but you you do have to put in that effort and just yeah. you know even if it's only you shadow someone for three hours, it's three hours that you didn't have. So I definitely think as much as you can put yourself in that position to gain education while you're still a student. And even when you're not a student, I think it's so important. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Maybe we'll do one more question. Yeah, let's go for it. 
Okay. Um, ooh, I don't know. There's a few good ones. Do you want to? I know. Um, we can try be quicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like blabber on so much. I always got. Um, uh, oh, I don't know which questions pick. Did you find it hard to get work as a graduate without much experience? Okay, so let's say we, you've graduated uni and like, what do you do? What do you actually do when you graduated uni? Um, yeah, so I felt so lost. I, I did a blog about this, actually. I think post-uni blues is definitely a thing. Um, you literally are just thrown out into the big bad world <laughs> and especially when you've done a master's because you think that you're one step closer to where you want to be. But yeah it's like after, the higher level of education. Yeah and everyone's like oh well surely you'll have a job now and you still can't get a job and mm. it's so much pressure. Um, I didn't go straight into anything at all. I just carried on learning, doing courses, shadowing whoever I could. I did loads of different interns that weren't even directly related to nutrition, but just to give me a bit of money and keep me busy. Um, and then it literally is just what you were saying, Barry, email as many people as you can, and then you get a good contact. But also, I think I thought that I wanted to come out and work with clients and eventually kind of have my own thing. Um, and that was purely what I was going to do. But actually, I love working with clients, but it's not what I want to do the whole time. Full time, yeah. It's, you, you, you think, don't you, that you're going to be working with like six clients a day and like you're going to yeah. have a nine to five of clients. And it's just like, Actually, honestly, that would be the most mentally draining job in the world. I would need yeah. so much therapy. Just yeah. because sometimes, and I think this is a personality trait of, you know, people in our field is that we genuinely want to help. Like we wouldn't go yes. into this field if we didn't want to help. And I think we have some level of deep empathy and sympathy for people that we see we really 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 care and it is emotionally taxing like you take Mm. on the burden yeah I think about that but it's it's emotionally draining sometimes because you care so much I always used to when I was working well I still work um with Rhiannon at the clinic but I always used to say you know I want to be booked out like every single day and the more clients I started to get I was like I need to like rein it in because actually if I because I want to be able to give my everything to each client if you have too many you can't actually do that because then you're not yeah you're not not giving them the best quality of care that you can yeah you want to be able to dedicate as much time and concentration to that one individual when you're starting out if you're purely thinking that you're just going to work with clients then it's a lot of pressure to actually get clients yeah and it depends what position you are in but financially if you don't have any clients that week then you're not going to get any money so it depends completely on your position but I think getting another job whether it's full-time or part-time and then maybe you could just slowly build it on the side you might realize that is what you want to go down completely and then you can go into clients however many you want or you can just keep it as a little side hustle yeah definitely there's like I really did think all I wanted to do was work with clients when I left uni but I soon realized 
I absolutely love like the industry stuff that I do and the brand consultancy work. Like it, it's, I think it's really, really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even like, I really want to be part of a, a healthy nutrition and wellness company, but not directly as a nutritionist. Yeah. So even you've kind of steered off from what you originally thought you wanted to do. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to see some clients because I think that is so rewarding and it is a passion, but I don't think that's what I want to do full time. Mm. I do think that if your ultimate goal is to see clients and like build up this practice, I do think that it is a financial risk. Like, like you said, that you rely solely on someone booking and you can't, it's not steady. It's not always steady, especially in the beginning. So I do think it's probably important that you do something else while you build that up, like you said, and slowly over time, whether that's six months, whether it's 18 months, whether it's two years, you can slowly transition to taking on more and building out what you know you like. But I think it is unrealistic to expect that you're going to graduate and then you're going to see 20 clients a week. Yeah, Yeah. totally. A recent graduate, it depends on what you're like as a person, but you might want to be part of a team and around other people. I think we spoke about this, Sarah, but you yeah. were saying that you much prefer being in a team um, and it can be quite lonely. I think you do have to really think about the logistics of it all before you go down that route. It can all seem a bit kind of glamorous, I think, to the outside, but it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I think it just plays to your personality. Like I said before, I thrive off the energy of others. And I'm such a social person that I found that I was just spending so much time alone. And I didn't really mm-hmm. speak that much, yeah. especially I didn't really speak about myself. Because when you see clients, it's not about yourself. So I yeah. had hours of speaking a day, but it was nothing. It was all about the other person, which is great. You, weren't, you couldn't have a conversation. It. Yeah. But it wasn't a two-way street. It was a very much a one-way conversation, which is fine. That's what the job was. And then Mark would come home from work and I would go on a million miles per hour. How I remember you used you to. <laughs> what did you eat for lunch? Do you want to hear? I took Oscar on this walk and Mark's just like, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> walk that you take every single day and how like the dog took a poop on his walk cool so he does that every walk like and I just didn't get to speak to anyone like enough especially with the time difference to my family and my like friends back home like it was just such an isolating time in my life and then I went into full-time work and I actually realized this is the kind of energy that I need and I think sometimes your career goals and what you actually need don't match up and that can be really really tough and really kind of like internal conflict and just it's just not what you see for yourself but then you really have to just think what's the best for you in that situation and for me it was going into work for a company and having a team and having that kind of energy to feed off of yeah and it will be really scary if you kind of suddenly realize that but you do just have to do what is right for you like you're saying yeah and And it's not like I know it's so easier said than done but really just go with the flow because you can't plan out everything that's going to happen yeah totally and I mean like Sophie works for herself and she kills it and she loves it and I 
I know my personality wouldn't be able to cope with it. Like, that's just not my, like, we're very different people and Mm -hmm. that's fine. It's not, it's not for everyone, but I do think there's this kind of like glamorous, like perception. Oh my God. Yeah. But it's anything from that, like working for yourself is anything from like a glamorous lifestyle. Like it's really, really nitty gritty. Like you have to put in so much That's the perfect way to describe it is nitty gritty. (laughs) It's like, I just, I can never stress to anyone how much admin work comes with working for yourself I can't even tell you what kind of admin work it's just so much like I obviously not now because like corona but um like oh I remember so last year June was my busiest month like I literally didn't have one day off I worked every single day like 28 days in a row and I would just be up till like 11 o'clock at night trying to catch up on emails and just a, a day away from my inbox and I would just have so much stuff to do yeah. Like I'm not yeah. complaining. Like that's I'm so grateful for all that work. But I do think everyone thinks it's such an easy breezy like way to mm-hmm. live, and it is not. Like, yeah, I think I it's think. when you're working for yourself and you're super busy, like you're because you've actually got stuff to do. But when you come out of uni, you're gonna be not gonna have much to do, and you're gonna be in your own head a lot. And I remember. Barry I was like oh my god I've just got so much time to think it's kind of actually like lockdown I felt mm. a bit like <laughs> that is the greatest way to put it like life out of uni is really yeah. not actually, similar to lockdown yeah when I first went on my own like honestly I think I had like two jobs in one month and I was like oh my god like what am I doing can I actually do this but you ha- you have to believe it sounds so like whatever but you have to believe in yourself and you have to work hard otherwise you're never ever going to get there yeah I agree there was that time that I was like in between visas and I had a lot mm. of time on my own and I like had legal restrictions where I couldn't work um yeah in, in the country, UK really. couldn't work yeah. in the UK couldn't work in America because as soon as I got my visa I was leaving couldn't like leave a job the day like yeah you, you just can't do that to industry so I was doing a lot of freelance work and like Hannah said I had a lot of time on my own and a lot of time in my head and it just like was not a safe place for me to be <laughs> yeah and actually I can imagine people feeling like that now in lockdown so whatever 100%. you just said it's I haven't thought about it like that but I think I was in a non-structured lockdown like two years ago yeah unwritten (laughs) when this whole lockdown happened um everyone all of my friends absolutely freaking out because it was so so different to what they're usually doing like commuting to work their job coming back um living in flats with their friends or whatever and I was honestly like this really isn't that different because (laughs) this is like (laughs) our six months anyway trying to get a job (laughs) which is, is so, so sad true. and I was like look I've been prepping for this I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're thriving in lockdown because you were well prepared see there's a silver a silver it's good to know someone is <laughs> yeah sending out the positive vibes <laughs> always a silver lining but yeah I do think that sometimes people think that when you graduate all of a sudden you're going to have a million opportunities Mm. meeting at the door and it it, there's so many factors like it really also depends on the economy and what you know Mm. is happening in the job market and that's not something that we can control Um, yeah so again it is getting creative how can you market yourself what are your strong suits what other non-traditional routes 
do you think you can take? And I think nutrition is great because you can do so much with it. So yeah. unlike other jobs, like if you go for an accounting career, you're going to become an accountant. Yeah. You're, that's what you're going to do. But if you become a nutritionist or a dietitian, the doors are endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of decisions to make. So maybe you might start in a job that you didn't think you would see yourself in, but that doesn't mean that you can't grow from there. And like we said, you learn from every experience, you take it with you and then you apply it to the next job. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Should we wrap it up there? Sure. I feel like here's a question that we haven't asked in a really long time. Hannah, what is your pit and peak of the wellness industry? Throwback. Oh my God. Um, the pit would be probably that whole celery juice thing. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Or we talk about present. I don't know what's really going on present. That's no, the celery thing. juice is a good one. Like I do think it's still out there, but I feel like no one's talking about anything apart from Corona at the moment anyway. So yeah. the peak, I think I love how there slowly is this movement away um kind of like the whole body acceptance and um yeah just people becoming more of diet culture I know that for us obviously it's been longer but I think now so much of the population are as well which is nice to see yeah definitely love it I love it too Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Bye. We finally made the three-way Zoom work. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you. you can, yeah, hopefully it was helpful. And Hannah, if you want to just shout out your Instagram name so people know where to find you if they have any follow-ups. Yeah, it's live well with Han. Cool. And you know to follow Forking Wellness. And we'll put Hannah's um, handle in the show notes as well. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us get seen in the charts. And we will be back next week. Cool. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.